You're listening to This Motorcycle Life. Finally, conversations about why we ride. Episode 48, Don Quixote. I'm Bruce Philp, and thank you for listening. So how can we find goodness in a world gone mad? Well, obviously the answer is with a motorcycle, but maybe not exactly the way you think. In a moment, you're going to meet someone whose decision to leave it all behind and hit the road wasn't about escaping reality, but about finding a better way to see it. It's a long solo ride story like you've never heard before, along with just a dash of magic. We'll get to him in a moment. But first, I've got a bit of explaining to do. If you're a long-time listener, I want to thank you for coming back for this episode and apologize for the long silence, which I'll explain in a moment. And an especially heartfelt thanks to everyone who wrote me to say that they missed the show and to make sure that everything was okay. By the end of the summer, I was getting notes at the rate of a few a week. I've been kind of at a loss for words, honestly, other than to say thank you. It really meant a lot. The numbers also tell me that there are a lot of new listeners to the podcast, people who found it over the summer. So I also want to welcome them and say thanks for the vote of confidence and thanks for your ratings and reviews. And to the new writers among you, of whom I know there are many, welcome to the family. Okay, let's go. So, this motorcycle life was put on pause last May. I guess it might have seemed pretty sudden, but production challenges had really started to pile up around here. There were some technical issues, notably worse than usual internet problems and some pretty loud nearby construction, and there were some family things that made big chunks of time harder to come by, and it all seemed likely to continue for a few months. I wouldn't say it was going to be impossible to chase guests and produce episodes, but it was getting pretty close. If I'm honest, though, I found myself kind of relieved in an excuse to withdraw for a while. Nobody had a very good winter of 2022, and for me at least, and maybe for you, by spring the world didn't seem like a very inspiring place. So I did what I needed to do at home, and the rest of the time I mostly hid behind a helmet visor. I got lots of miles in, moto-camped a couple of times, hung out at a custom show I hadn't been to in three years, spent a day at the track, got a tattoo, that's a long story for another time, and even bought a dirt bike. It was all fun, and it was all comforting, and it was all a way of avoiding something. But September came along, and it was podcasting time again. It turns out, though, that a podcast is a little bit like an airplane. If you leave it sitting for too long, you can't just jump in and fire it up. Certainly not when it comes to lining up a first guest, which was trickier than I expected. Or maybe some unseen hand was making sure that I started with this one. Harold Serrano had first reached out to me in 2021, full of stoke for an epic motorcycle trip he was planning to take. Once he learned to ride his motorcycle, that is, which he intended to do during that trip. 
Well, it was clear that Harold Serrano was a firehose of optimism with his very own idea of what a motorbike is for. I figured it might become a story, but it wasn't one yet, so it didn't go any further. But Harold did, and when I caught up with his Instagram feed recently, it was obvious that his odyssey, which had begun in Santiago, Chile, so far hadn't been like any motorcycle adventure I'd ever seen before. Nor was Harold quite like any other adventurer. And that, as Robert Frost put it, and as you're about to hear, made all the difference. I reached Harold Serrano on the road in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Hey, Harold, it's good to talk to you. Um, thanks for joining me. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well. How are you doing today? <laughs> I'm doing great. All the better for talking to you. And uh, despite the fact that I had to rake leaves all day, it's been a beautiful one. So, um, yeah, excellent. Um, and where are you? I'm currently in Milwaukee right now, Wisconsin. <laughs> the land of cheese, as we were just discussing before we went live. Um, yes. Well, I envy you. Well, look, um, we're going to get to what you're doing there um, in a few minutes. Um, and we're actually going to talk about both of the trips, um, the one you're on and the one that you completed, I guess, last year. But let's get to know you a bit first. Um, I usually like to break the ice by asking people how they started riding. But in this case, I think that would plunge us right into the deep end of your story. <laughs> so why don't we hold off on that for a second? And instead, um, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us who Harold Serrano is. Am I pronouncing your name right? Yeah, Harold Serrano, yeah. Okay, perfect. perfect. Yeah, so introduce yourself. Um, honestly, that's usually the hardest thing for me like to kind of describe. I'm just Harold, your average, I guess, 30-year-old guy who just... I happens to really like traveling and somehow stumbled onto riding a motorcycle while I travel that created a whole different kind of experience for me. Yeah. As we'll see. And it looks like you're a husband and a, and a dad too, to have that right. No, I'm not. I'm only an uncle. I almost had children. I didn't though. Oh. God, at the moment. Jeez, okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was I was trying to infer things from your Instagram feed, which we'll we're going to come back to a few times. Well, being an uncle's cool. Um, also, I have certainly yeah. enjoyed it myself. So, look, when we were first in touch, um, which was May of 2021, you at that time were planning a trip that you thought might take you around the world. Um, and at that point, you weren't yet a motorcyclist. Uh, in fact, if I remember correctly, your email kind of opened with, my name is Harold and I'm new to the motorcycle life, which I thought was um, awesome. And But somewhere along the line, very close to your departure for this trip, you suddenly decided a motorbike was the way to do it. Can you tell me a bit about how that came to be? Okay. Yeah. So, um, I had gone to, it goes even further back. So in like 2013, I had, I was out of high school and I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So I decided to go to Europe just in general. And I went to like, uh, from France, Spain, uh, Hungary, Italy, and that like awoke like a whole, I want to travel the world. Then I started to stumble upon somebody who traveled around the world without an airplane to every country. And they did it in, I want to say, like maybe three or four years. So I was like, wow, okay, I'm going to do that. So I started saving up, uh, I want to say from 2013 to 2018 is when I left. I saw five years. I started saving up because he, if I'm not mistaken, he did it with around like 30000 So I was like, okay, that's the goal. Let's save up, work hard. And I got there. Two weeks before I leave, I don't know why, I mean, 
I don't know. I was like checking how long it was going to take, like on bus and boat and all these things. And sometimes, uh, let's say a four hour drive would turn into six hours because I would have to walk and then take this. And if I missed this bus, I was stuck in this town for a week. So then I was like, hmm, what if I got a motorcycle? And everybody I know is like, well, you don't even have a license. Um, how are you going to know? And I was like, I'm going to learn. I mean, the extent of my riding was like, if I saw my friend on a motorcycle, I'd be like, hey, let me spin it around the block real quick. And then I'm like, oh, that was fun. Here you go. <laughs> so like I said, I flew to Chile. My friend, her name's Melissa. She was there. So she was like my safety net. Um, I stayed with her for two weeks while, you know, she showed me around the city. Um, I found a motorcycle. Even when I bought the motorcycle, the guy was like, yeah, you want to take it for a ride? I turned it on and I revved it. And I was like, oh, it sounds good. This is, oh, yeah. Yeah. He's like, you don't want to take it for a ride? I was like, no, we're good. We're good. <laughs> and I gave him his money. He was more than happy to, you know, I was afraid that he was going to be like, oh, this guy doesn't have a license. I, can't, I don't want to sell this to you. But, you know, I'm sure he just saw the money and he wanted it. I paid $950 for that motorcycle. <laughs> and... The day I bought it, once everything was finalized, I packed my things and I left and it was amazing. I started driving and the sun is shining and then the sun sets on the other side of the Andes Mountains. And then I realized I might have made the biggest mistake of my life. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize when I left in the summer of uh, in the East Coast, it's the dead of winter down there. Right. But when the sun is out, it's warm. So I'm driving up the Andes Mountains, first drive ever. Supposed to, I think it's supposed to be like maybe six hours. I'm driving up. The minute the sun goes away, the cold comes. And I'm in like a pair of jeans, maybe some thermal pants, a hoodie, and a long sleeve shirt. I'm not dressed for the part. I don't know what I'm doing. And the cold is beating me. I'm screaming from the cold, the pain. I don't have a gator like to cover my face. So all the, the heat that I could possibly save is going away. I can't stop because there's nothing around. Brutal. I'm here like, I'm going to turn back. I'm going home. You know? Like, <laughs> F this. I'm going home. I'm going to lay down. You know, I left my whole life back home. I had, I just graduated college. Like, I want to say maybe a year before that. Um, I had a girl. I thought everything was set. Like, I was ready to settle down. But it was like, I need to test myself and go on this trip to see what I'm made of. I make it home. I deserve everything that comes after. That was the idea, like a vision quest. Right. So I'm suffering and I'm like, you know what? I'm going home. I'm going to lay down. I don't care. But something was like, keep going I, until you literally are physically crying, sobbing, or until you physically can't go anymore. And I fell at a, at a red light because of how cold it was. I couldn't, I guess I didn't put my legs down fast enough and I fell. And I just started laughing, picked it up and was like, this is horrible. Harold. What's going on? That six hour drive turned into nine hours. I got to Buenos Aires, uh, not Buenos Aires, Mendoza, Argentina. The guy I was supposed to stay with didn't answer. And I was outside. I want to keep ringing his doorbell at like three in the morning. So I found a hostel, was in the hostel sleeping by like four, a little bit before four. I had to check out at eight. So I was awake already at eight. I had to take a three hour drive to my next host, which I use uh, couch surfing. It's an application. Hmm. And that's when I was able to like, okay, I can relax only for like two days later to have to drive. It turned into from, I think it was nine hours or a little bit more than that. It turned into, I want to say a 15 hour ordeal. So I left at like seven in the morning and I got to Buenos Aires at 10 PM. 
And this is in a span of not even, I want to say a week. So I threw myself literally into the fire. Yeah, no kidding. Um, it sounded, it sounds a little, um, impulsive and, uh, and a little harrowing. Um, so just to sort of catch me up on the logistics of this, you started this chip in Chile and I think Santiago, by Chile. it's in Santiago. And, and I, and I, I guess by this time, the goal was not an uninterrupted trip around the world. At that point, you had, um, a more immediate objective, right? This, you were going to make your way back north to the U S is that right? Yeah, once I saw that how different it is to actually have to ride, let alone on a motorcycle, I was like, let's get home first, and then we'll worry about the next continent or whatever. Right. Because now, like like I said, it's different in theory. You know, I saved up the money. I made the route as detailed as I could. Saved up the money. All I had to do was leave, right? Simple as that. It sounded simple. And... I learned so much. Yeah, right. <laughs> which, which we're going to talk about. But you, you mentioned something a little earlier that I wanted to ask you about, and that's this idea of a vision quest. So tell me what that means to you. What were you in search of? So, um, so I don't know if you know what a vision quest is. It's pretty much like a test that they would give like the adolescent Native American boy um, in order for him to be, quote, unquote, a man, you know, whatever that means, because... You know, what does that mean? (laughs) But when I was out there, it was like, let's see what I'm worth. Everything I learned, everything I've, you know, book smarts, street smarts um, from fighting when I was younger. I'm not saying I'm looking for that, but like, let's see what's going to happen. Am I a coward? If I given the chance to help somebody or be brave, if I am, there's more chances to change that. Because once I get home, that's when the test is done. When I get home to see what was I made of. So I, I know this sounds weird because most people don't really think like that. Right. But that was like my test. Like, what am I made of? And I made it in like, it's hard for some people sometimes to understand, but it's like the people who have tr- kind of traveled can kind of have an idea and they're like, whoa, I get what you mean. Yeah. 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 Although you were pretty, I, I'm going to ask you a bit more about that in a minute um, about motivation because you were it strikes me you were young um, to have that hunger, I guess, maybe. But um, it, it was just interesting that you framed it, especially given that, you know, from from what I can tell from my research, like you're just a n- nice, you know, kid in quotes um, from Jersey. Um, the, the, there's nothing evident in in the place you began that, that would send you, you know, off on something as, as crazy as this at least started out to be. Um so I, I had to ask Vision Quest, what's that all about? Now, it, just maybe on that a bit longer, when I talk to people who have done trips like this, um, and trips like really both of the ones you're doing, and, you know, the bar is kind of wherever you want to put it, obviously, as I'm sure you know, but they very often decide to do a big solo ride as a kind of reaction to some turning point in their lives, right? So so um, I've, you know, met people who've done it after, you know, losses or after divorces or after, you know, losing their jobs or, you know, becoming, you know, disillusioned uh, with something. So usually there's a, there's a kind of a shadow um, over the motive um, and then they go out and, and, you know, on their own particular vision quest and find whatever it is they needed. Um I'm curious to know if that was in any sense part of it for you. So, you know, you've said it was a test and I get that. Um, but I wonder if there was some, um, something more personal behind it too. No, like I said, like, um, I didn't have anything. I mean, you know, life happens. Like it's not like I had anything, huge losses before then. 
that pushed me there. Everything was perfectly fine. I had finished school. You know, my main thing was to finish college for my mom. So when I had that thing born in me to travel, I was like, I'm going to finish school, get the degree, and then I can do whatever I wanted. And since I paid for it myself, I didn't owe my parents that, oh, I got to go to work because my, my mom paid for it. No, I paid for it. And I told her, listen, I understand what you mean, but I paid for college. So, I mean, you have to let me do what I want to do. Right. And I saved up and everything. Like I had planned this in 2013. In that time, I finished college, something I didn't think I was going to do. Um, I got a girlfriend who I thought I was going to pretty much, in a sense, marry. And everything was good. I finished college. I, the world was my oyster. But I was like, I got to do this before because I had been planning it for so long nobody believed me at first my family not even my girl and then at the end people started seeing oh wow he really is doing it and then she it's weird how things line up she bought my ticket uh, like a week before it was supposed to me to leave and if i would have bought my ticket when i was going to buy it i would have never left because my grandma got really sick not long after i left so by then, by the time I found this all out, I was already knee deep with a motorcycle and I couldn't leave a country without it. So I'm stuck there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's crazy how everything lined up. Because if I, like I said, if I would have chosen the day to leave, I wouldn't have left. So, you know, it's crazy how things line up. And it's weird because after this trip, it made me believe in like, I guess like a magic or trust the universe. Mm. Because I did all these things and people were like, don't go here. Not that I would go there on purpose to prove a point, but... We would go into Brazil. Don't go to Rio. Everyone warned us. Don't go to Rio. We went into the favelas and the people treated us so good. Nobody pulled a knife on me. Nobody pulled a gun. Not to say that didn't happen. We heard stories. Yeah. And guys were like, yeah, they were supposed to come to my house. And they got these these two Italian guys. One died and the other one was in the hospital because they went into a favela. And they were it, you can't wear certain clothes because if you look like a cop, they'll they'll attack you. Yeah, right, right. And it, we were like, wow, this is true. He was like, yeah, they were supposed to be here last week and they're not here now. I was like, what? So we were already scared, but I trusted the universe that I was only going to meet good people. And that's the only people that showed up. Nobody, if they try to rob me or they stole something, I didn't notice. Right. <laughs> and I, I'm here, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I think that's fantastic. Um, and I'm going to ask you a bit more of that about your route and about the you know, the, the sort of cultures you pass through in a second, but I have a, a, a sort of a, you may think this is a weird tangent, but I had to ask, um, the bike you were on for this, this first, you know, leg of your project, the South America to home trip was a leaf on, I think a 200 CC kind of dual sport. And it looks like maybe you actually, I think you said you bought it, um, in Santiago. Uh, so I'm curious to know, a, a kind of, how to put this exactly? When when we picture an adventure bike, um, lots of images pop into our heads. Some of them are expensive images. <laughs> you know, some of them are more modest. But it strikes me that um, for a bike that is as light and modestly powered as that is, and I have to think, you know, not super well supported for parts and stuff. It it, it the bike became a character in the story, if that makes sense. I, I realize I'm rambling a bit here, but do, do you think that bike? you know, became a companion in that way? And do you think it somehow made you look more approachable and real somehow? Does that, does that question make any sense? <laughs> oh, it makes a hundred percent sense. You know how many times people would laugh at my bike? Like I'm surprised that's not going to make it. That's not going to make it. And I wouldn't even think it's not going to make it. And it's like, 
like Don Quixote with Rocinante, like he had his his mule that was like almost dying and like, but it still did what it had to do. And this was my version of that. I called it the hummingbird because so many things fell off on that bike. At one point, the the muffler cap, you know, that muffles the noise, yep. fell off. So the, when I would turn it on, it would, like, you would hear me. And it was a 200cc. It, it was a, when I tell people, they don't even know it. It's called a Zongshen 200cc. I paid $950 for it. Yeah. Don't ask me how I landed on it. I was on Facebook Marketplace. I saw a bunch of motorcycles, you know, a Honda XR250, which I was, I wanted to get something like that. And I kept looking and it's weird. I saw this red motorcycle and for some reason I was like, that's the one. And I bought it and I, at first, like, I was like, I don't trust this guy. But then I was like, hey, what do you do? He's like, oh, I'm a cop. Like, there they call them carabineros. So it's like a freight, like that's the name of the cops there. Right. And I was like, oh, I could trust this guy. Or at least I want to trust this guy. <laughs> so I, I, here's the 950. He signed all the papers. We, when we did the title exchange and we had to go to a notary, we had to put our fingers on ink and there's my thumbprint and his thumbprint on the thing. And it was all mine. And, and that was it. And I left. <laughs> but yeah, no, people would make fun of it so many times. And, you know, I guess in the beginning, maybe it was something that I was like, I didn't really bother me, but it was like, it made me look at it like, yeah, they had BMWs and big Harleys and like some of them would travel around their country, but some of them wouldn't even leave their city. And like, look at what I'm doing with this little bike, you know? Yep. <laughs> I would prove to people. I love the Don Quixote reference. That's fantastic. That makes the whole episode for me. That's great. No, no, that. But that's. I get my I, my inspiration like from movies, books, honestly, uh, anime. I see stuff like that, and those cartoons, like people might say cartoons, but those things give me like strength. So, like for me, like seeing you know, Motorcycle Diaries, the movie I love, the book, I didn't really like some of his ideas, but the book, the movie took the magic and was like, wow. And that was a part of it. Um, sometimes I read books like The Alchemist. When I read that, I read that I want to say a week before I left on my trip, and I finished that book in a few days, and I was like, who wrote this book about my life where I felt like this was me. I'm going on this trip. I need to figure something out. And many people who I've spoken to say that books for anybody who is alive, you know, who, who has that in them. And when I read that book, I couldn't put it down. Amazing. And, and that made me look for the magic, you know, let me trust this person. Worst case scenario. It, I don't like to say it all the time, but if they're going to try to hit, hurt me or fight me, I know how to fight. So there's not, I'm not going down without a fight, but <laughs> as long as we open our hearts and trust these people, people, I would meet people. And within a week before I left, I stayed with a family in Brazil. First family I ever stayed with in Brazil. I didn't even speak Portuguese. I stayed with his parents for a while. Google translate. By the time I left, he had two sons, Augusto and Daniel. I told him, now you have three sons, Augusto, Daniel, and Harold. That man started crying, told me don't leave, offered me a job in his company, um, offered me a place to stay for free. And I, I had to just, I can't, I got to keep going. I gave him a hug. He calls me once in a while. He'll message me. How are you doing, my son? Doing very good. How are you doing, my dad? Because I have no problem with people taking me under their wing. I can be someone's son, someone's nephew, their brother, their grandson. I love that. And when people are like that with me, they teach me. Yeah. And they're so open to me. And maybe I, they may do something that I may not understand, or maybe I may have a certain 
prejudice against something or a different idea or something, but it changes my idea. It's like, wow, okay. I don't know why I thought that way. Or maybe I was like hesitant. Oh, why was I like that? And people taught me so many things and I can tell you stories for days. So like, I'll tell you one, yeah. one more. So in Buenos Aires, I use, like I said, this application is called couch surfing. It used to be free. Now it's $15 a year. And as long as I can stay if, with one person a year, that pays for itself. Right. And you meet people, it's like Airbnb, but like, it's people like, Hey, you can stay in my house. Um, or some people let me stay in their whole house and they're not even there. And it's all like, you know, review based. So like whenever I stay with someone, I say, Hey, this person was great. Stay with them. You know, they'll be like, Harold's awesome. You know, it's all reviews. So it's a way to to live like a local. Hmm. And like, at first I used to look at it like a free place to stay. But once I started meeting people and I started seeing the actual connection and I actually put, you know, I would buy food. No, we're going to buy everything. No, it's okay. Here's some food for the meat. Here's some this. I, it was like there was my family and it grew little by little by little. And I would stay with, like I said, families that had no money and families that were rich in those countries, which is saying a lot. Mm. And they all opened their doors. They all tra- treated me good. So like in Buenos Aires, this is my first time I get there. I look at the guy's profile, you know, normal pictures. Nothing. I mean, what is a normal picture? You know, nothing, I didn't expect anything. So I get there and full face makeup. So I'm taking it back. I'm like, oh, you know, I never seen this before. So I'm like, okay, what's going on? He's like, Hey man, uh, you want to come to my job? I was like, yeah, what's up? And he's like, I work at the number one gay nightclub in Buenos Aires. I'm a drag queen. He, he does a whole show, like a whole variety show. And I was like, Oh, this is, I never done that, but amazing. We're in Buenos Aires. Let's trust this guy. And I had VIP front table. His friends were sitting with me. I had a bottle the show was amazing. He was doing comedy and then, you know, they had women dancing and men dancing and, when it was done, everybody was drinking and partying and all because I had a great time and trusted these people. So many people back home were like, oh, my God, I can't believe you went there. This and that. Mostly my guy friends. And I was like, why? I trust these people. They're treating me good. They tr- they're showing me a good time. You know, it's OK to you know trust other people. Maybe, like I said, you may be close minded about certain things. When you see that everybody's just we just don't want to connect with one another. It's easy for me. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, you know really, I mean? that's a that's a great gift, actually. You know, I was going to ask you um, about the sense of risk in some of the places that you went, and um, you know, I was I'm prepared to hear you say that you didn't experience it, and you you've kind of you have said as much already. Um, but to me, as a comfortable you know North American middle class you know person snuggled up in his house. Um, it all seems terribly daunting and very hero's journey-like. And I, I wonder if there were moments when you actually were afraid or, or or moments that you wish you'd just stayed home, apart from that that first night. Did, was it an unbroken, was the magic unbroken, or did this, um, were there moments when uh, you were challenged? Um, I want to say, you know, besides the first day, like you said, there were times, like I said, my grandma was, when I was gone, and by then I was already past the threshold. There was no turning back. My grandma had a pancreatic cancer and uh, she started getting sick. So there was times that, you know, I want to be home. And, you know, sometimes I, sp- I spoke to a friend for, in, when I was in Brazil and he was like, listen, like, you know, I know this is not what you want to hear, but like, you're on this now. You got to finish it. Mm. And what I was able to do was I pushed all the way until I got to Colombia, and then I was able to come back home to see her for a little bit. And then I did the final push to see her before. And I got back on her birthday, her wow. last birthday, actually. Wow. 
So like stuff like that, yeah. Or you know, honestly, like a lot of stuff from back home, like things that were out of my control that I was letting bother me, I would have to learn to be like, oh, I can't let back home stress me out or friends or whatever. Those things they would take away from me. Mm-hmm. And when I would disconnect from that, that's when I was like, okay, we, we're locked in. Yeah. And when I was locked in, there was nothing stopping me because when I started seeing the patterns of like, you know, people trying to be negative and stuff like that, I had to tell them, hey, listen, if you want to do that, we can talk when I get back home. For now, I need to get back. I need to get home alive. You know, mm-hmm. I don't want to deal with this. And other than that, I've never felt like, to be honest, scared. I got hit by a car in Peru and I got right back up and we kept going. And that was another day that I only drove 15 hours twice in my whole trip. And the second time it was in Peru. Mm. And I got hit by a car 30 minutes before I was supposed to meet up with my ex-girlfriend oh, in Cusco. Oh, no. So I'm driving with this motorcycle. The handlebars are pointed straight to the right in order for the tire to go straight. Oh, wow. I flew off the motorcycle in the air. Like, these seconds lasted forever. I'm in my mind like, oh, my God, I'm going to die. Immediately after that, you want to know what I thought? My mother is going to kill me. <laughs> I was I was more upset for her than I was for myself because I'm living I'm living the best time of my life. I can leave. I could leave right now and I'm good. Like I'm living the full experience of life. Like yeah. I look at the magic and when I look when you look for it, you see it and you're like, yo, this just it sounds weird. But like when you trust the universe or you trust everything, it's been working out for me. So maybe I'm just lucky or maybe I'm delusional. But. Listen, if it's working for me, who am I to say it's not going to work for you? I'm nothing different. I'm not a muscular guy. But if I have to, like I said, worst case scenario, we have to fight our way out. We do it. But I haven't had the need. I haven't had any aggression towards me. Um, I will tell you one time, I wasn't even afraid, but it was like I spoke my way out of it. I was in Colombia on the side of a highway, just, you know, took a little smoke break and I'm just there. No houses. Some guy comes out of nowhere starts touching the motorcycle like my luggage oh wow this is cool what, what are you doing you know like i'm like okay whatever one guy i'll take him if he does something oh, no. <laughs> and he keeps talking and talking and i collect trinkets as i was going so in ecuador in the middle of the world like the center of the you know right there in the line of the equator there's a museum and in there randomly they had fake shrunken heads made out of goat skin so i bought one and i put it on the motorcycle handle he looks at the motorcycle, he sees it, and he he jumps back. He's like, oh, my God, what is that? And I don't know. I don't know why this story came out of my mind at that moment, but I was like, oh, I killed somebody. He's like, really? And I was like, yeah. He's like, why? And I was like, because he tried to rob me. And he's like, how? And I always used to carry a pocket knife just in case. So I pull out the pocket knife, and I was like, it was already broken, the tip. And I was like, see the tip? It broke. That's why. And then I was like, in Ecuador, there's Native American tribes, and that's a place where they do shrunken heads. And somehow I convinced him. He stopped touching the bike. Um, he sat down. All of a sudden, his friend comes, does the same spiel, does the whole thing. But then he tells his friend, yo, watch out. This guy killed a thief. He stopped touching the motorcycle. I was still smoking. I left him with the rest of it, and I drove off. Oh, and I, I thought about it later, like, yo, what if they did? But I was like, I guess that whatever I had on the motorcycle, those things all protected me somehow amazing <laughs> yeah i can tell you days where like i just trust it you know what i mean like it, another thing like my grandmother's mother used to help you know she would 
take hunger to give people food. And like her husband and my mom, my grandmother would say like, why do you do this? And she's like, because like, maybe I might not benefit from those blessings later, but my ancestors will. Hmm. So that kind of ended up bringing up this whole energy of like the universe and my grandma saying, she would tell me that she's like, you know, like, you know, my mother would, that's, that's everything that's protecting you, you know? And like, we're praying for you. And like, I'm not a religious person at all. Like I would say, I believe that there's something, but in organized religion, that's not me. Hmm. And I just trust that, like, there's an energy around this. And if you tap into it and trust it and embrace it, you, you'll see the world. Like I hug people and like, I hug them, hug them. And maybe they're not used to it, but I've had people come up to me randomly in restaurants and be like, Hey, can I sit down and eat with you? <laughs> How many people <laughs> can say something like that? Yeah. And they'll just sit down and she, the lady, she's married and she, we we're just talking and Cause she's like, you look approachable. And like, she saw me ordering a food and how I was talking to the lady. I don't know. I never ate here. What do you suggest? And the people, when I ask them that they'll tell me, Oh, get this. Okay. Give me that. So she got the same thing. And she's like, Hey, can I sit there and I move my helmet? Yeah, sure. <laughs> I don't, I have never, I never saw her again, but we connected through the, you know, social media and like, she sees my stuff and she's like, Oh, good luck. You know? And all I see is people that when they see me or they ask a question, what are you doing? New Jersey plates. What is What, 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 what are you doing? Or imagine when I was in South America, Chilean plates. Yeah. So the further I got from Chile, it was like, I was like, uh, a story was following me. So I'd go to places and people would see me and tell me, pull over. Hey man, let me buy you food, yo. Let me fill up your tank. I'd go to hostels because at some points I wouldn't want to stay with, you know, families because I wanted to go, let's, you know, I'm young. I want to go party. So I'd stay in hostels and I'd go to a hostel and people would show up like already drunk. Whose motorcycle is that? <laughs> and we're in Mexico. We're in like in Guatemala already. I'm in Central America already. Who's motorcycle? And I raised my hand. Me. Let's get this guy a drink. And, yo, and I would meet so many people, and they they, yo, you're coming with us. And I would meet them. They'd take the bus because obviously they were just backpacking. And I'd be like, yo, I'll meet you guys there. Sometimes we'd have parties, and I'd be like, I bet you I get there first. And then lose last one there gets the drinks, and those people became like my 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 brothers, my sisters, like. Those people, I talk to them every once in a while. We remember the good times. Like in El Salvador, me and this one girl, she was Russian. We always remember having pupusa babies because we ate so many pupusas. That's all we ate. So our bellies were full <laughs> of just pupusas, which is like a cornmeal kind of patty. Yep. And they would just stick like, you know, different kinds of meat or shrimp or, oh. and it's, imagine 50 cents. So you buy $3.50, you're full we're out there just eating all we can eat. <laughs> we would leave, go party, go to the beach, get tired, get hungry, go pay another dollar fifty, and like just enjoy living our lives simple. That's and amazing. like, <laughs> we don't have it all figured out, but I'm genuinely happy. And as long as I'm genuinely happy, like I said, I'm not hurting anyone. But I think if you're happy, that's what matters, and everything else falls into place. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, earlier you 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 said you said maybe this sounds weird, and I wanted to tell you that I didn't think it sounded weird at all. Um, but I also wanted to ask you a question, and I, if this is insensitive, I I apologize. But I wondered if your grandmother had an opinion about this while um, she was still with us, what she thought of what you were doing. 
Um, to be honest, if if she did have anything, she didn't tell me. Wow. Like there was times, you know, I would talk to her, you know, be like, "Oh, you okay?" or and stuff like that. And like there was times where they were like, "Oh, she's fine." So I was like, "Okay, good." And then like at one point, it was like, "No, like she has like pancreatic cancer. She just got surgery, and she had surgery." And I was like, I felt like bad because, like I said. So once I was able to get to Columbia, like I saw her, but she never had anything bad to say ever about the trip. Like, oh, come home already. When I was driving already in Central America, like her saying, come home already, you know, every time she said that, I was like, I am. I'm getting closer and closer, which is the truth, you know? Right. So little by little, I would help her. The only time I, I gave her an option to choose something was because I didn't know what to do. It was either I'd be cheap and I'd take a boat to cross from Colombia to Panama, which was sketchy because it could take two weeks and I might not be able to contact them. And, you know, she's sick, so I don't want to stress her out. And I told her, I can do the boat two weeks cheap, but I can't talk to you. Or I can spend, I think it was like, let's say it was 1700 Put my bike on a plane. I get on a plane and I meet it in Panama overnight. She, it was a no-brainer for her. I let, by letting her choose, it made my life easier because I was being cheap. Right. So she was like, take the flight. I was like, thank you, grandma. Love you. And that was it. Yeah. That's wonderful. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I think you, you, you sort of started to answer this question a minute ago, but I want to poke at it a bit more because, because I loved it. So, so you, you framed this trip up originally as a kind of personal test. And so when we, um, imagine making a record of that kind of trip, you know, you sort of expect to see heroic things, right? But when I scroll through your Instagram feed, I don't see you posing on mountaintops or, you know, rope bridges or any of that kind of typical adventure travel stuff, which I also love, by the way, no pejorative intended. What I see is all kinds of smiling young people and music and food and um, having a great time. And I wonder if you could talk about that a bit. Why was that the record you wanted to make? Um, it wasn't like I, I didn't post, you know, other things, you know, I did like volcano climbing and stuff like that. But for me, you know, everybody would tell me, you know, from these countries, oh my, you know, I'm from here, you know, I'm from Chile. You shouldn't go there. It's dangerous. And like, I didn't go there, but like, I went through all this unscathed and like look at the people that came out of the woodwork like it was it was almost i can't believe it except that it happened to me i can tell you i'll tell you a story in mexico i didn't know anybody right so i'm driving from um valladolid on the like boot of mexico kind of like you know near cancun all that that's where you can go and see a chichen itza right so at that point, I was already, you know, splitting away from all of my partying friends, you know, hostile young kids drinking, you know, what, having a great time. I was leaving them and now I was back alone. So I went through phases where I grouped with people and then it'd be like a month flew or the month felt like <laughs> four months. And it was like, damn, we met each other three weeks ago, four weeks ago. And we were like family. And I left them. So now I'm all alone and I'm driving to a town, you know, and I meet a group of people. They, they're, my bike's already kind of messing up for some reason. Mm. Um, this is the first time I meet them, you know, we connected to WhatsApp, but I don't know them. So I get there. They help me fix my bike. Great people. It became one of my, one of my close friends. Like literally when I say close friends, I mean like we can like punch each other around and like joke and like, actually feel like we've known each other for like a long time right 
And these people would just help me. And I'd be like, how much do I owe you? Oh, well, it only cost me a dollar for the part. So just give me a dollar. And I was like, you sure? And they'd be like, yeah, that's it, man. Like, I'm just happy to have helped you. And like, then I went to the next town and I started having more bike problems. And at one point, the rim, the crown, like the, the sprocket that spins the chain and holds the back rim, right. it broke on the side of a highway. And I'm in the middle of nowhere. I don't know. I've never been to these countries. And I'm like already like before I could even think like, what the hell am I going to do? A guy runs from outside his house across the highway. He says, bring the bike over here. I'm not going to rob you. And I'm like, what the hell? Why would you say that? This guy's going to try to rob me. <laughs> and um, but I'm like, you know, he's an older guy. Like, like I said, I always have that in the back of my mind. I don't tell people that because it maybe it sounds negative to be like, oh, worst case scenario, I'll fight my way out. But like, that's the thing I have in the back of my pocket. You know what I mean? Right if I have to, but I don't need it. And this guy helped me. We couldn't fix it. So we drove to the town over. We went to a mechanic who couldn't, we didn't have the rim, but he could MacGyver it. So he was going to drill screws through it to hold it in place. So I was like, Hey, if it works, it works. (laughs) And we fixed it. And while we're fixing it, his friend comes from the mechanic, the mechanic's friend, the owner, and he's hearing my story. He's like, what? Okay, so while they're fixing that, let's go eat. They take me out to eat. They're buying me beer. I'm actually like, okay, I have one beer just because I don't like to drive like that at all. So I have a beer and we're eating. We come back, we fix my bike. The guy's like, hey, you know, he was going to charge me, I think it was like $30 to, to do that. I was like, that's fair enough. I mean, that's, I, mean, I don't know. For me, that's, I don't know how much it costs in general. <laughs> right. So, okay, thank you. $30, that's fine. I mean, I'm assuming it's going to be way more in America. So he does it. He hears my story. He's like, hey, man, you know, I hear what you're doing. And mind you, my one of my mirrors is shattered. So I'm driving with one broken mirror. He gives me mirrors. He's like, don't worry about it. It's free of charge. And then when he said, when you put the rim back on the tire, come back and I'll change the whole sprocket and chain kit completely for free. Wow. And I took a picture with them. And, you know, I didn't know any of these people. By the end of the day, I get back to the house where my bike is and the old lady, his mother was there. She's an old, old lady. Very nice. I think I ate with them as well. And I asked her, what can I give you, you know, to pay you back? Just bring me a Coca-Cola, <laughs> a bottle of Coca-Cola. I brought her two bottles of Coca-Cola. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then I drove to the next town and I didn't know that kid either. And I only stayed with him, I want to say not even 48 hours. And that kid, yo, me and him talk all the time. He just had a kid and me and him, it's like, I'm telling you when I'm like buddy, buddy, it's just like, not that we're going to fight each other, but like, you know, like they're like playing around, like punching each other, like softly, like wrestling. Like that's how I got with some of these people. And I'm like, I don't know these people, (laughs) but like I was closer with some of these people more close than I've ever been with people that I considered my brothers or my best friends back home mm. like i used to consider most of the people that i thought were my best friends like my brothers and when i came back it's when i started seeing like wow like these aren't my friends these people that i meet like that i have no look at look at what they do you know what i mean and like it made me look at even the connections i have with people am i just are we actually friends or am I, can i be there for you because i've been there for people when they were going through their own you know emotional hardships right. and i you know talk to them you know and i i tried to, i was there for them and they were there for me. And those people are the people you want around you because you don't want to be around people like I've been where I thought these were all my friends. Meanwhile, all we were doing was just drinking and smoking weed. And I thought these were my brothers. Right. Right. 
And then when I actually saw like, no, these are like people I'm connecting with. I was like, I expected more from my, from my friends after that. I expected, you know, for all of us to look out for each other, not only look out for our circle. And then if one of my friends did bad to someone, Hey, he didn't do it to me. So he's still my friend. No, 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 no. If you're my friend and you do something wrong to someone who's a stranger, I cannot be your friend Hmm. because the only reason I'm being your friend is because you didn't do it to me. And I don't, I don't know, maybe it's, I looked at that as such a different way that now everyone is my people. Everyone is my circle. Um, my friends are the people everybody wants to exclude. All those people can come into my circle and you can come into my circle too. But if you disrespect the people in my circle or you hurt them, you're going to have to mess with me first. Right. Right. And with that, I go into places and like, dude, I can, like I said, I could tell you a story. I can even tell you stories of where I'm at now. And like, even before that, they're like, when I left, I was crying. Yeah. Cause I, that, that connection to know that and to see my family to them, to see it and for them to be like, I'm so happy for my son to that big heart that you have. And you know what I mean? Like for me, I'm an attractive guy. I, that's not like the compliments that do it for me. The compliments that do it for me is people who tell me, I feel like I can be myself around you. Mm-hmm. I feel comfortable around you. That's the best because I've been in situations where I wasn't comfortable, where I was treated bad. And I don't like that. And I don't want anybody to ever feel like that. So for me, if I can, if it's at least me in your corner, being there, hugging you, helping you, that's enough, you know? Yeah. So is that, is that what you got from this trip? Um, was it the friends and was it finding that in yourself or did you already know that's who you were? I guess the question is, what did you get from this trip? That when you let yourself be a human and trust one another, life is literally like a movie, like a book. And it sounds crazy, but like I I see this magic all the time and people are like, don't understand it. And then I had a friend, she, she was with me recently in Chicago, like three days. And she, I told her, just trust me, watch. And she saw the interactions I had with random people like it's not like i like let's sit over here because i know these people no like we sat down and at first we were kind of uncomfortable by some people and then we started talking and then we were like oh wow and then we started just all laughing and then she took that energy of trusting people and then she left and went on an uber and she was like oh my god like i just trusted you and like my uber driver just drove me around chicago and showed me the sights at night and like you know all you got to do is trust somebody or talk. I have amazing conversations with my Uber drivers, amazing conversations. And I talk to people and they're like, I just wanted to talk to me. I was like, you're bugging. Like when I'm in the car, like the minute they're like, Hey Harold, how's it going? If they say it, cause they read my name. Oh, if I read it, Hey Daryl. And he's like, Oh, it's Darrell. Hey, my bad Darrell. I'm Harold. <laughs> and me and him connected and I have his information and he looks at the stuff and we, we talk once in a while. And like, that's how I, like, you know what I mean? It's, it's just a connection. Yeah. So were you the same person when you came home? Um, I definitely was more outgoing. More, I mean, or at least I thought. And now on the trip I am now, it's like, no, you think you know, or you think you're like, okay, I've grown enough already. But then life kicks you down and life's like, oh, wow, I thanks for teaching me life. Thanks for some more hard lessons. And now I'm here and I had to learn all those things. And now I'm here and it is even more amazing. I'm even more out of my shell than the first time. Wow. wow. Yeah. Cause now I, I, from experience, I know. So the cold, yeah, it's not the best, but 
it's part of the adventure. Yeah. You know how many people tell me you should start going south. And I, you know what I tell them? Now that wouldn't be any fun. <laughs> you know, in the back of my pocket, if it's like, you know, if it's a bad blizzard, I'm not, I'm not that dumb, you know, I'll get a U-Haul and I'll put the motorcycle on a U-Haul and drive to the West Coast where there's no more snow and then continue. Yeah. But until I can't go anymore, I'm gonna keep driving, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I know my limits. I respect the bike. And as long as you respect it and you, you know, know, and I don't see any problem. Let's let's talk about the the ride you're on right now, which I, I if I got it right, um, is basically across the U.S. and back, um, starting and ending up at home. Is that right? Yep. Okay. And that's so where we that's where we pick up the story right now. And when you announced your intention to do this again on Instagram, because that's where I've found almost everything I. I think I know about you. You talked about, um, and I'm quoting you here, those who still believe in the magic of life and those wanting to make their own path but are afraid of the unknown. And I want to unpack this a bit. So let's talk about the magic of life first. You you referenced this earlier in our conversation. How do you define that? What is it? Honestly, it's as simple as just existing. If that sounds... I'll elaborate more. Like there's days that like, maybe I'm not doing much here or even when I'm home, but you know, I wake up feeling good, you know, maybe I go to the store and talk to the lady in the cashier, like, Oh, hi, it was a nice day today. Oh, right. Wow. That's it. And I just walk out and like, just, if you look at everything, you appreciate everything. And the people I stay with teach me things to be more appreciative of. And like I said, like, because of that, like, especially on that trip, like, there's magic around us here. It's maybe a little bit more suppressed because most of people my age are obsessed with, I want to be a millionaire. Okay. How are you going to do it? I don't know. I'm just going to be a millionaire. I was like, okay, good luck with that buddy. You know, their whole tide is their whole mentality is tied into money. Not to say that I'm not, like I said, I'll never lie to somebody and say, I got it all figured out. I don't, but I'm happy. As long as I'm happy and I have just enough money that I need and I'm not living beyond my need, my means and I'm a good person. That's all that matters to me. Yep. Yep. I wonder if you think, um, I, I was interested in your comment that um, it's more, the magic is more uh, kind of suppressed here, if, if I remember the words you used correctly. Do you think that familiarity plays a role? Were your eyes more open in a place you'd never been than they are where you are now? Um, as opposed to like on this trip or? Yeah. Or I mean in general? Yeah, I'm just, I'm try, I, I think you said earlier that the, that the, this, this, sense of magic was a little harder to, you know, to kind of see, um, in, in your home country, um, than it was when you were, you know, riding North from Santiago. And I wondered if, if there was a, if part of the reason was that that first trip was so unfamiliar. Um, yeah, I definitely learned a lot. Like, you know, I would, like I said, I would stay with families that had nothing that gave me pretty much the shirts off their backs. And same thing with families that had everything, you know, they gave me everything and for, me to see that and like not to say that it's so different from here but like i feel like a lot of the people here like i would never open my door to this and i would never do this and that's how that first trip started and i was like let's see let's see what i'm made of i speak spanish right and we'll make our way up and now with this one it was it's kind of like a you know i i'm gonna trust it but like let's see how it compares to that one because you know now we're in america and that's like wow you know america this america's racist america's i haven't had a bad experience everybody's treating me good like i feel like yeah if we focus on the negative of course that's all we're gonna see but i'm always like i'm gonna be good people 
And that's all I've been needing. Like I haven't had a bad, I wouldn't even say it's a bad experience. It was just a weird thing that to, to see. So like in, in Washington, DC, I was staying with my friend Ronald, the kid I went to high school with. We go out to eat. I think it's my last night. As we walk to our, my motorcycle, some some guy walks up to us. He's like, oh, what a nice bike. And like, I'm like, okay, cool. Like, this is 100% true. Like, this is not a lie. This guy, I don't know why he said it. He's like, hey, I want to take your motorcycle from you, but I'm not going to. And I don't know why I said that. <laughs> and we, me and my friend looked at him and... Dude, we were, I was like, did he really just say that? Wow. And for me, it's like, damn, I guess something's protecting us. I literally told him, I was like, I guess someone's protecting us, the energy of the world, because I've never had somebody tell me, I want to take your motorcycle, but I'm not going to. And I don't know why. Yeah, which, yeah, I would find that an intimidating situation. Um, you know, in a strange <laughs> I was ready to punch him in the face. I had my gloves ready. My friend was like, let's go. I have, my gloves have like carbon fiber on them. So like on top of being able to fight, I have somewhat pseudo brass knuckles i'm not worried <laughs> but my friend was like let's go and i was, I was like all right let's go just, i mean he didn't approach me after that he walked away so i was like if he came at me then that's different but i'm not gonna look for a problem yeah no of course he said that we looked at each other like that was weird and we just drove off and we're laughing about it <laughs> we didn't, that was weird we were telling people and they're like that's you're lying we're like no 100 it just happened so you don't sound like a, a person who's afraid to me, um, but you mentioned the fear of the unknown in your, you know, in your kind of um, manifesto for this trip. Um, so am I, am I right in saying that you're not a person who's very afraid? And if that's true, then who were you thinking of um, when you talked about people who want to make their own path but are afraid of the unknown? Who was that message for? I mean... Not only for myself, because I mean, I will not like lie. Like I said, I'm scared sometimes on this morning. People are like, are you afraid? Of course. But every time I get to the next town, that's another battle. Another day I get to live to fight another day. And for me, that's a lot. That's enough. And like I said, the people, my mom, especially like she today, um, where I was staying before in Chicago, you know, I'm sending them videos of where I'm staying and the people I'm staying with. And my mom, my dad, my dad looked like he was about to cry. No, no. Because of how I was. And he's like, you got to take care of those people. And I was like, what do you think I'm doing? You know what I mean? It's like now they're seeing for what it is. And now they're understanding. And now they're like, oh, you got to take care of them. Of course I'm taking care of these people. This is my family. These are my two uncles. What do you mean? By the time I left, like I said, I don't know why that day when I left, um, I haven't heard this song in so long. And I don't know why I thought about it as I'm showering. And I'm like... um, uh, I think it's uh, oh my god It's I, I literally started singing now I can't think of it <laughs> oh uh, Now and Forever by Carol King oh wow so I started singing that in the shower for some reason and I'm staying you know um, I don't know if I, I I didn't say it but I was staying with a, a couple in, in couch surfing a blind man power lifting was a legal assistant for uh, in Chicago, 58-year-old guy and his partner, Jim, an art teacher at the Illinois Institute of Technology. I've never, you know, experienced anything like this. So like, you know, I've seen blind people before, but I've never lived. And to be with him, and the minute I got there, he's like, we're going to a concert. And I'm like, okay. And he led the way. Amazing. He led the way the entire time. I wouldn't hear like 
trying to like i'm not gonna lie there was a few times you know i grabbed him so he wouldn't bump into things and i told him i was like listen i'm sorry but if i get annoying let me know he's like oh i will you don't have time <laughs> to play around he'll tell you bluntly great guy that guy when i left i was crying because i was singing that song yeah in my head i played that song you know i would ask him so many questions and i don't come from a place of you know disrespect i come from a place of like i'm, I'm genuinely i'm curious you know so i'll ask him you know you know, have you ever been in a fight? He's like, when I wasn't blind, yeah, because he wasn't born blind. He turned blind when he was 20. Mm. So he's like, yeah, when I was, wasn't blind, yeah, when I was blind, no. And I was like, yeah, that's true. If somebody tried to pick a fight out with you, that's kind of messed up. Um, I would ask him, you know, you know, what do you miss the most? Like I said, maybe it sounds insensitive, but I'm just curious, you know, I like to know people. And he said bicycle, right on a bicycle. And I was like, Mm, like when he said that, I was like, wow, like I, I just wish I could ride a bicycle. Like I can ride a bicycle. He knows that, but like, I can't maneuver around the city where there's all this noise. And I'm like, I never thought of it like that. And like, just the simple fact that I can open my eyes made me appreciate it. And like, even the day we went out to the concert, we're walking and like, you know, some people like almost don't get out of the way for him. And I'm like, whoa, what's this, you know? And like we were walking and some girl kicked his cane and she kept walking and her boyfriend said something. And I told him, I was like, do that stuff again and watch what's going to happen. He was with his friend and they kept walking. And Kelly's like, no, don't, don't. And I was like, no, that's not right. And to stay with a guy like that, and like I got created like a love for him. And I would give him and Jim, his partner, Jim, hugs. And Jim would teach me about art. He's very versed in this uh, uh, classical American artist that I never heard of. But when he showed me, I was like, wow. And he's like showing me all these books and explaining art to me even more than what I thought I knew. And I told him, I was like, okay, before we leave, you're going to ride on the motorcycle with me. And I tell Kelly to get on the motorcycle, you know, put the helmet on. And he would tell me he would ride with his father. He never rode when he was not blind, but when he was blind, he'd ride on the back of his father's motorcycle. Mm. So we rode around the block and like, I don't know, like maybe for him, it was that like moment with his father again. I don't know. But the fact that I could just ride around with him and share a moment with him and hug him, I would tell him I love him, you know, these are things that most men aren't into doing, like to hug people and tell them, yeah, I love you. And it's weird and for people, not for me. But when I see people that are willing to open up like that, those are the people I want to be with. I want to hug these people. These are my family. These are people that make me feel what it means to like actually feel like hugs, like love. Like not that I don't feel that with my family, but with a stranger, you know what I mean? Like yeah. to hug a stranger, like chest to chest, like you feel that warmth on the heart, like hug, you know. And they always say like you need eight hugs minimum, twelve to grow. <laughs> So I take full advantage. I give people a hug. I tell them that too. And I was like, you know, where you, they tell me when I left, Jim, where am I going to get those hugs from? And I was like, you're going to have to hug Kelly more. You know what I mean? Like, and maybe I changed their way that much more. And like, maybe I don't amount to anything in life. And that's fine. But to have these little moments with people, like, that's like, that's what this is about. Like life, not like, you know, turning people away now like no like if you trust people and you actually open your heart and communicate you know this is it's, it's crazy literally crazy like i don't believe it but it happens to me and i didn't believe and i'll read my book sometimes just because you know I'll, I'll be just let me just get back into the book or I'll open a page and i was like I and i feel like i'm there again i'm like wow i forgot about this and like to have that to have like biker gangs that i would never have associated with open the doors up to me 
and tell me you you should join you could be with us and if you don't it's fine like you're still our brother and you can come here whenever you want they call me in brazil when are you coming back i don't know but when i am you already you already know i'm coming to, i'm gonna see all of them yeah. yeah and like like i said that alone is enough i know people that make more money than i will probably make like they make three four times maybe make like sixty thousand seven thousand a year they make 200 and they're always miserable. And like, I don't have it all figured out either. And I was the same way when I came home, you know, I thought I had it all figured out. And then the things that I thought were my, for me, like, you know, that relationship, those friendships, I try to fix them because I was, you know, if I love you and you're part of my circle, I'm going to fix what I can fix. Mm. But at some point you got to realize it was not to fix because there's nothing for me to fix. That's, that's theirs to fix. That's their problem. And I can't, when you're ready, my phone line is open. I'm always open to people. And some people change and they surprise me. I've had friends that like, he was the biggest like hothead in school. Like he would never talk or he would always want to fight. When I came back, we almost, he's like, oh, we're going to fight, whatever. And we just stopped being friends. So when I saw him, I was like, oh, he's like, you're not going to say hi. I was like, no. And then before I could say anything, he's like, listen, like, I, I just want to tell you, you know, like I was completely wrong. And you know what I told him? It's all you needed to say, man. It's okay. I'm not mad. But, like, what do you want me to do? But when you're ready, my door's open because I trust everybody. I look at life, like a, like I said, like a movie, like a book where everybody has a character arc. Like, yeah, okay, you're doing wrong right now. I'm like, it's not my job to fix your things. When you're ready, you'll come. If not, then you were never part of my life. Yeah. You know, and, and like, the way I move like that, I just... <laughs> It flows and somehow works out. <laughs> I wonder um, if you're maybe not giving yourself quite enough credit. I I, I caught um, the phrase you used in your Instagram feed, and you referred to it earlier about um, making your family as big as possible. And I'm listening to you tell me these stories, and it's clear to me that you are asking people questions about their lives, that you're, you're expressing an interest. And it reminded me of a film that I saw a few months ago uh, called, um, oh, geez, what was it called? Um, in and of itself, um, which I recommend. I'll send it. I'll send you an email. And, and basically, the upshot of this theatrical experience was that it sort of demonstrated how badly people need to be seen. And um, it sounds to me like the people you stay with uh, feel seen by you. And that's part of where this magic comes from. What do you think of that? Am I, am I off base or does that seem like it might be true? Oh, definitely. Um, sometimes they teach me things and, you know, maybe that teach them something or maybe they're not used to that. So, like I said, when I leave, sometimes they're like, I don't want you to leave, you know. Then I used to that warmth, I guess, that I, I, I'm not saying that I provide, but like, my main thing, like I said, without going back to it, is like, I've heard that so many times here where they're like, you make me feel so comfortable. That could be myself, you know? Some people don't like their accent to show, you know? I met a girl from Colorado, and she said, Colorado. And like, she would hide it, and I was like, don't hide it, you know? It's cute, you know? That's you, you know? I don't want you to hide it, at least not with me, just be yourself. Mm. And like, you know, people say that, you know, you make me feel comfortable and that's all I, that's as simple as I want it to be. I just want anybody who's around me to be comfortable. And if I notice it, I'll ask, you know, like I've seen my mom sometimes, she'll, she'll try to lie to me and she'll come home. Like I can tell something's wrong. She's like, oh, you, you're okay? She's like, yeah. I was like, I'm not saying that I can read people's, no, but like sometimes I can't read the body language. I was like, you know, 
you sure? Like, come here and I'll give her a hug. Or like, then she'll maybe, you know, Oh, you know, it's this and this. And, or like, I'll talk to people sometimes and I've given people hugs and I'm like, it's okay. And like, there's stress and emotion. It's like, it's okay. Just relax. And like, I, I try to use my own ex- negative experiences to like teach, not for people to be like, Oh my God, Harold went through this. Why? Oh my, no. Like I'm showing you. So it's like, you know, I've been through that. And you know, the best thing you can do if you don't know who the, you know, how to feel, or if you feel these moments of who's this person, who's this person to me, my friend, I've seen so many people go through that. And I tell them, listen, just let them figure out their things. If you've already done everything you can, it's in their hands. And if they don't, then like I said, and those aren't your friends. And I learned that people I've met in 24 hours a week can mean more to me than, or not mean more, but I've had actual connection, not just a superficial one. Like I said here, where that's where I say the magic is gone. It's everybody for themselves or like they will have an ulterior motive or it's like, Oh, this guy has this, or like, he can help me do this. And it's like, I'm just trying to connect with people. And I've seen people in Cleveland. I met this kid who has a million and a half subscribers on YouTube. And we got there. He's like, Hey man, like no offense. I didn't want to meet you because like, I feel like everybody's got like an ulterior motive. And I was like, I can understand that, but like, I'm not asking you for anything. Right. And like, we were just there talking. He's like, I like your energy, man. Like, and he's like me, he likes watching anime. He likes video games. He's like, you, you're like the main character of the movie. You're the main character. And like for you to meet all these people and like, like you have that character, like, oh, like a movie, like there's something about you that's giving me main character energy. And I'm like, uh, but like for him to feel like that and be like, yo, I feel like I can be myself around you. And I don't even know this kid, you know, but he's been around where people have these ulterior motives. And when there's something around somebody in my head, I was like, I, I could give like, what I was talking, cursing. I could give two shits about that. Right. You know what I mean? Like, if you're cool, you're cool. Like, it's not like I'm going to be like, oh, he's famous. Oh, I got to cold hang out with him. No, if you're famous and you're an asshole, I'm not going to want to hang out with you. <laughs> right. I'm going to be like, yeah, F this guy. You know what I mean? Like, I've been around stuff like that where people are like, oh, look, look. And like, I'm like, okay. Or it's like for such a small little sh- role in a movie or a show. And they're like, everybody wants to be around them now. Yeah. And then I'll be around them. And I'm like, here, you like want to, you want to be here or something? As long as you, you're genuinely nice to everybody. And I mean, like I said, I don't have any, I don't need anything from anyone. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm actually, I just want to be around people that are looking out for me. Like I said, that good energy that if we're together and like, for me, it's like plain and simple. You do bad stuff to someone, even if it's a stranger and I find out, I'm sorry, I cannot be your friend. And it goes back to something that was told to me by a guy who passed away. His name is William. You know, when I was in college, I did good. I did all my grades, you know, but, uh, you know, I smoked weed, you know. He would always be like, hey, man, why do you always do that? You know, and I was like, why not? You know, I'm doing good in school. I'm doing this. He's like, and he'd always tell me, Harold, how are you doing? I'm good. Harold, don't be good. Be better. And I always took it like a fence. Like, what do you mean be better? Look at all the stuff I'm doing. And that's when it hit me. I'm just being good. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just taking care of me and my circle but I can be better. I can expect more from the people around me. I can expect them to not be the type of people to take advantage of people when they're, you know, down the people that aren't going to be bad people that kick someone down when they're down. No, 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 no. The 
people around me. I, I expect them. And if they don't want to, that's fine. But like, I'm not gonna be a friend. Yeah. It's as simple. I'm not asking, I'm not pulling teeth. I'm just saying we all have to look out for each other. It's as simple as that. And I look out for everyone, even if it's a stranger outside and I see something's going on. I've been in Central Park where I saw a little kid and I, like I said, I don't know who these people were and it sketched me out. And I was like, is that your kid? And my friends are like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm making sure that that's, you know, their kid, what the hell? I don't care if they look at me mad, but I'm making sure that nothing is going to happen. Because like I said, we all have to look out for each other. And it's so weird because we don't. We only look out for ourselves or our little circle and, you know, F everyone else. And I don't care. But that's why we're so, like, separated. That's why everybody's afraid. That's why people are, like don't want to do these things, don't want to travel. Watch out here. Watch out there. Like, why? Because, like, you know stuff that happens at home that you allow. But, no, if you trust and you make sure that doesn't happen around you and you see that, it's weird. But you connect with that energy and it's the weirdest thing. But nothing bad's happened to me people will always keep like being negative and saying stuff and that's fine mm. but while you're home being negative doing nothing doing the same thing not that that's bad but like i said when you're stuck in that how do i expect you to leave that bubble i can't so i'm not gonna go crazy trying to convince you of something when you're ready doors wide open more than welcome to join us right Is that- it's as simple as that yeah, well, it sounds simple, um, <laughs> you know. I mean, I, exactly, it's simple. It sounds simple, but ego, like I said, and a lot of things. But if you let that go, like you could be wrong sometimes, you know. Yeah, you could have done something wrong to someone, and doesn't mean you're a bad person. But people don't want to admit stuff, you know. People just want to no, 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 no. Okay. <laughs> so I, I can't. I have to. I can't help but ask then kind of how it's going on this trip so far. So, you know, when we, I think if I'm honest, this was one of the things that intrigued me about your story. I think a lot of us, especially over the last couple of years, have formed our impressions of the world, um, you know, from from basically reading the news or, you know, sitting in city traffic. <laughs> you know, there hasn't been a whole lot of inputs. And the picture that that paints is pretty grim, right? It doesn't It doesn't seem like it's a very friendly world that we live in. And in some odd ways, that seems especially the case in North America. You are on the ground out there, um, eye to eye with people. Um, what do you think? How are we wrong? And how wrong are we? Is, is, um, is the country you are traveling through uh, a better place than it seems? I mean, from what I've seen so far, yeah, I was nervous about anyone opening the door for me. And like I said, I meet like-minded people who open and they're like, yeah, you know, like people don't, I'm staying in right now, I'm in Milwaukee with the guy. And like, to be honest, he's almost like a carbon copy of me. Like, obviously physically he's taller, you know, more muscular, he's, he's, he's four years older than me, but he's in tune with that. Like, yeah, dude, I love traveling, you know, I love doing that. But when I come back home, not that... I'm not growing, but it's like a lot of the people aren't into that. You know, they're just stuck with the simple life. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It's just like a bubble. And you only know that reality. It's like the allegory of the cave. You only know the cave. Right. But like, he knows what it is to tap into that energy and like to go explore, stay with indigenous uh, tribes. I've stayed with indigenous tribes in Guatemala who I didn't even know what language they were speaking. They looked at me like I was an animal. Mm-hmm. as I was eating food and I might've played with that idea a little bit and maybe ate the food more like a dog just to get the laughter out of them or I'm feeding them candy and 
I fell off a little hill because I didn't see it. And we're all laughing and my friends, are, everybody, we don't know each other. We're all laughing. We were at a hostel and he, the guy who owns the hostel likes to go on excursions on, on Sundays and throws everybody in like a giant, like military Jeep that he has. And we drive into the jungle like an hour, two hours to a tribal town. They gave us food. We went to waterfalls. Like I said, I didn't speak this indigenous language. The little kids are showing me all the bad words. And I'm saying it and I'm laughing. They're laughing. I don't know what I'm saying, but we're just interacting. You know, that body language, they're, they're looking at us like, who are these animals? Like, who are these, you know, people? And it's just a feel good. We're just existing. Yeah. And once you tap, that's all that matters. Like once we start complicating it with all these things, like I've done it myself where like everything was going good when I came back from my trip. I was on top of the world, but there was one thing that just wasn't working out. And because I couldn't let go of my fixation to fix those things, it let me, in a sense, not appreciate all the other stuff. So, like I said, we worry about the one thing instead of looking at the 99 things. And like I said, when I came back, I thought I knew it all. And then reality was like, nope, here's another lesson. <laughs> wow. Thank you, life. I appreciate it. Now I no longer force anything in my life. I thought if, you know, it matters and you really mean something, then yeah, of course you fight for it. But now it's like, I can't fight people's battles that they don't even want to confront themselves about, you know? Yeah. So like I said, I, I just take a deep breath. I wish you the best. And like I said, when you're ready, the door's wide open. Yeah. Tell me, tell me a bit about couch surfing. I was not familiar with this app and it seems to have its own particular culture. Um, how did you come across it and, and, um, and, and how does it work? Okay. So I had come across couch surfing 2013 when I was backpacking through Europe. So I looked at it and I downloaded the app and the whole idea is like, you know, free place to stay. And I mean, I was young. So I was like free place to stay. That's like saving me at least like 50, $60 minimum in, in a place to stay. So I'm like, okay, cool. You know, I, that's how it, it, I think starts out for most people. They're like, oh, free place to stay. Hell yeah. That's awesome. Right. And, you know, I stayed with somebody and like, they were maybe, like I said, a little different, like, but, you know, they opened their doors to me. And I was like, okay. Some people, like I just started, some people, wanted, they were like, listen, like you, you have no, you don't have enough references. So I, I don't feel comfortable. Okay. Fair enough. Thank you. Appreciate it. Tell me any recommendations while I'm here because I don't know what to do. Mm. Little by little, you know, people started to, you know, let me, you know, couch surf. Once I did get to um, my South America trip, that's when I like, you know, really, really, really got into it. And like, I reach out, you know, and some people, you know, hey, come over. Some people had family. Some people didn't. Some people, you see all kinds of things. So you read the, you know, the profile but it's all reviews. So like you'll see somebody and they'll have like 500 people stay with them. And they're like, Oh, this guy's so cool. Awesome. Blah, blah. Oh, wow. Okay. I want to stay with these people. These are people who are interesting. Like, you know, sometimes I don't even read it. I just, it sounds crazy, but like, we're going to go with it. You know, I, I don't really read the reviews. I read their profile. They seem cool to me. Cool. And when I get there, if they seem weird, I'm going to be like, listen, if you can't respect me, I'm leaving. Right. As simple as that. But when I leave, I'm going to leave a review. Hey, don't stay with this guy. He wants to make, get you drunk and then be like, hey, I like you. No, 
you know, so it's all stuff like that. Girls could stay somewhere and feel uncomfortable. Hey, don't stay here. This guy is cool. But when he's drinking, he tries to get all handsy. So there's a whole like, you know, people even to this day tell me that's crazy. And I was like, I guess it's crazy for you. But because you think it's crazy, these doors will never open for you. That's what I told my mom. My mom's like, how can you do that? Like, I could never stay in someone's house like that. I'd feel so annoying. And I was like, well, because I understand because you think like that, you'll never do this. But because I do, I'm going to meet people who are like-minded and think that way. And it's it's weird. Like, you know, I, I stay with this guy. And he reminds me so much of myself. And he'll tell me things. I'm like, bro, same way, man. And we always, you know, I give him a pound and we talk and I'll talk to other people. We have our differences, but we have that similarity that we just want to connect with other people. And like just the human experience, like to be around people and know like, yo, these are good people around me. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm getting it. <laughs> it's as simple as that. Like, people look at it like, what are you trying to accomplish? I'm just trying to, you know, enjoy the views, see what I can see, go to museums, eat the food, you know, have a good time. If I meet a girl, that's cool. If I don't, it's not like that's the first thing in my mind. You know, yeah. so as long as I'm having a good time, I'm good. Yeah. You know, I meet girls here and there and like, oh, yeah, they'll show me around. They hop on the back of the motorcycle. You know, it's already I'm already intriguing off to that. So it's like, oh, I'm going to be in your town. If you're feeling adventurous, hop on the motorcycle. Some girls get on and they're like, Whoa, they love it. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm just like, you know, I'm like, I'm loving it. They're loving it, you know, to give them that that like happiness. Even like I said, without having to, to be like, oh, I'm meeting girls like with Kelly. For him to be there, and I tell him, okay, now brace yourself on my on my hips with your with your thighs, and put your arms out like you're flying. And he, he's he's blind, so I don't gotta tell him to close his eyes. And but he he would say jokes like that with me. He's like, I'll see you later. And I was like, oh, God, this guy. <laughs> and he was just you know put his arms out and like thank you. You know what I mean? I don't know what he was going through his mind, but like in my mind, if I can in a sense, make him feel like he went back and he's with his father who passed away like in 2011, you know, that, those little moments that you, okay, you can kind of convince yourself you're somewhere else for somebody else or be that person that they can hug or feel comfortable with. You know, people don't have that. Mm. People think we have all these friends, but like, like I said, without having to go back to it, but it's like as simple as that. Like, that's why I'm saying here, we're so distracted by work and stress and all these things that, when I was finally able to pull myself out, I was like, wow, like these aren't my friends. Like these are negative people, people that would only have bad things to say about me rather than like all the things I accomplished. Right. And I was like, I would have conversations one-on-one like, Hey man, I'm just letting you know before you say, like I said, before you say it's a joke, before you say it, I just want to let you know. I think it's weird that all you can do is say negative things when you introduce me to people. What did he say first? I'm just joking. I said, I know. Didn't I just say that? <laughs> but I said, listen, I don't, uh, it bothers me. Maybe I'm being sensitive. That's fine. I have no problem with somebody calling me sensitive. I don't, I don't like it. Plain and simple. Because somehow that joke is, this is the truth. They're saying it to your face. So it's like, in my head, I'm like, I'm looking at it like, why are you talking bad about me? When I don't think good of my friends, even if they do, like, like I said, even if they did bad, I never looked at that. I always looked at the potential. Right. And that's where I had that shift where I was like, wow, they're throwing things in my face from 15 years ago. I'm 30 years old. I'm like, bro, that was high school. Like, and then, like I said, I told him I didn't like it. And for him, it boiled down to 
you're a narcissist, you're an egotistical guy who doesn't want me to paint you in a bad light. And I was like, if that's how you feel, that's fine. I'm just looking at it as like, you're my best friend. You're my brother, my brother. And all that's coming out of your mouth is negative or like bad stuff. And I'm not, I'm not, I don't have a problem with him anymore, but now I know. Right. You know, no harm put down, but like, you can, if I see you, I'm not going to be like, F you, no. But like, I don't know. Like, I know how you are now. Like, if you convince me that you changed, like, I'm nobody. I'm not royalty, but I, I just want good people around me. Yeah. So it's just, if you have no ego and you're willing to admit you're wrong, then doors wide open. Like, if I'm wrong, I'll admit I'm wrong. Hell, I went crazy when I came back trying to fix all these past things. And I was like, wait, the Harold before that, trip is not the same Harold. So why am I answering for the past of things like when they can't even get the path through their own stuff? Yeah. So they're just, they're just like, uh, how can I say it? They're reflecting what they're saying to me. It's just, it's just, that's their stuff that they have to deal with. And like, I tried to make it my problem, but I had to realize it's not my problem anymore. I did what I could. That's in their hands. That's the work they have to do. Right. Right. And like I said, I build with the people that I have, and this is my family, and like everybody's welcome. But what I won't have is everybody here, and then they're making somebody in this circle not feel like that. Because like I said, we're all here together. Yeah, yeah. It's as simple as that. So it's funny you say it's as simple as that because that was kind of my next question. I wondered if um, simplicity. So I, I don't want to reduce this to a formula for people, but I wonder if the simplicity of the way you travel somehow makes that stuff more possible. So, you know, we talked about couch surfing. Um, I think you're on a DR650 right now, which is, you know, the very soul of simplicity as a bike. And and um, you're, you're traveling in the same kind of, you know, lean way that you did uh, through South and Central America. And, I, and I, I just keep wondering, I know we touched on this earlier, I just keep wondering whether that makes you more open to people. What do you think about Definitely. that? I'm on the motorcycle. I mean, people would always tell me, why don't you get a car? And like, yeah, maybe I'll be comfortable, but it disconnects me from people because now I could just sleep in the car. When on the motorcycle, it's like, I mean, unless I'm going to camp outside, which I I have my tent and my, and my sleeping bag ready to go. If I have to, I haven't had to, but you know, once I get to like Utah, Wyoming, I'll camp, but I don't know. Like <laughs> the way it just goes, it's just, like I said, it's indescribable sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> and just being able to just like by forcing myself in a position where like I have to talk, it forces me to talk, you know? And back then I would, I used to think I was very outgoing and then I realized, oh, I wasn't, I just thought I was. And little by little, you would have never caught me dancing, let alone alone. In Detroit, I mean, I drank a few beers and I was just there just on the dance floor dancing. Maybe I danced with somebody here and there, but overall, I was just there with myself, just dancing. Like, ask anybody who knows me, they'd be like, what? And like, I'm just, I'm done worrying about all these things. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm just existing. I'm meeting good people. And like I said, I have random conversations with random people. I've had a girl approach me and give me her number because of a hoodie I had on. And all of a sudden we're talking, oh, you're traveling? Oh my God, here's my number. And she texted me once in a while. And she's like, oh, I'm going to come out, you know, travel. I was like, I mean, doors will open. I tell everybody, if you're brave enough to want to meet me somewhere, dude, we'll travel for a little bit. You, I'll, or I'll meet you in the city and we'll drive around. 
And if I've had one person so far on this trip and on my last trip, the only person that came out was my ex-girlfriend. And we did from Cusco all the way to the end of, to the top of Peru with the border of Ecuador. And that was, I'm sure for her, like an amazing trip. We went to Machu Picchu, Rainbow Mountain, went to Lima. We had food. We went to the beaches. We, went, we saw the Nazca lines. We went to Ica, which is like an oasis in the desert. Just, come on. <laughs> to live a life like that, those experiences, like it's not everybody gets to experience them. And I'm grateful that I get to. Yeah. And yeah, I worked hard to get here and I worked, you know, saved up the money. And, you know, not everybody has that option. But if you decide you do like and you want to have every excuse in the book, then you're not going to go. But if you make a plan, you save something up, you have a realistic idea and you just go and you trust Look at me. Who I'm no, you know, I'm not a rich guy. It's not like I'm out here paying people. It's not like I'm literally like telling people to act a certain way. Like, no, it's just, it's like I said, just trust the universe. Today I went fishing in uh, in Wisconsin. It's called uh, Lake Pewaukee, and up there they fish for these fishes called um, muskies. I never heard of muskies before. And I'm with my friend and he's meeting his cousin and we're going and I'm asking all these questions because I've never done this. So any chance I get to learn, I'm like, hey, what's this? What's that? And they're like, how, how hard is it to catch one in every 10,000 casts? You get one. <laughs> and we're there and we throw the, we got two cat, two lines out and you put the fish like in a certain way. So there's like live fish swimming and we're there and we're just enjoying it. Like it's a nice day. You know, I'm flying a little drone I have around and I'm recording whatever I can to like try to piece a story together. And at one point I'm here thinking, damn, I don't think we were going to catch any fish. And I'm saying this later to, to my friend who I'm staying with, Eric. And I'm thinking it, but I didn't say it out loud. I was like, nah, we'll find one. We'll, we'll hopefully we get one. And at one point we see these fish, they're diving. And we're like, he's, his cousin, is, he's caught some pretty big ones before. He's like, that's where we got to go. We go there, we catch one. And he's like, it's possible to come here hundreds of times and not catch a single thing. And we went and when, later I'm talking to Eric and I was like, I'm not going to lie. At one point I was thinking we're not going to catch anything. And he's like, I've thought the same thing and I didn't want to say anything. I just said, let's just, let's just, it's going to happen. And it happened. And big ones like 50 is like crazy. We caught a 35 inch. Wow. Wow. So like somewhat, you know, not, not that big, but we got a, we got a decent size one. And the one before that, I think he had hadn't caught one, my friend, Eric, not his cousin, cause his cousin, like he goes there a lot, he has a boat and all that. Um, I think the last time he called one was like, I want to say, I think that was, I think he said four years ago and they were little, <laughs> uh, like I said, these are, I'm, they have no reason to lie. I, ha I have no reason to lie. We right. caught it. I took pictures of it. I you saw. know what I mean? I saw. If I you want to see, yeah, I'm, I'm slowly, you know, trying to make like digestible videos of each day Yeah. and then separate it into like museums, food. That's something I didn't do either. So now when I go to places, I go, I ask the waiter straight up. What's your favorite dish or what's the best thing you have here? Let me get it. I put the camera, I eat it. I don't, I don't have any number scales. I'm like, Definitely come here. 
or you'll live if you don't come here. And maybe it'll happen. Something will come out of it, but I'm just having these great interactions with people. And worst case scenario, I have the trip of my life. Best case scenario, this becomes something so popular that I get to connect with people all over the world. And I, that, that'll be the dream. Right. Right. To show people and they're like, damn, like, look, Harold, like I, I don't lie to people. I don't say I'm afraid, uh, but I respect my motorcycle. Yeah. I don't go out of my comfort zone. I have friends that go 180 miles per hour. You can no, I'm okay. <laughs> Do wheelies. No, I'm okay. I've done a wheelie twice by accident. <laughs> and that was because I was at the light and I guess I was giving it too much gas at the, in the first gear and it picked up and I was like, Oh, and I was scared, but I have my helmet on. So you can't see my face. And the people look at me and like, Whoa, awesome. And I'm, I land and I'm like, let me keep driving and look like I know what I'm doing. Peace. And I just drove away. <laughs> that happened to me twice. And I, t- I always tell people that. And they're like, yo, you could do wheelies. I was like, I did it twice. And don't ask me to do it again because I can't. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'll, I'll tell you straight up. I'm afraid. But like I said, every time I, I finish a five-hour drive or a two-hour drive, even though it took me an hour and a half to drive from Chicago to Milwaukee. Mm. But then I took a pit stop because I, I love movies. I love music. So a big movie for me was Home Alone. So I went to the house in Home Alone in the movie and when I'm there, I'm taking pictures and I look at it like, this is awesome. By chance, a, a dad was there with his two kids. He was dressed up like the kid from home alone and his kids were the two bandits. And I was just there taking pictures. I'm having a great interaction with people who I don't know their names. Thank you. Have a nice day. I have stickers sometimes with me. People say, Oh, where are you going? Oh, I'm crossing. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Um, I give them my stickers. Maybe we connect through Facebook. Maybe we connect through Instagram or TikTok or whatever. But that little, they'll be like, oh, remember that guy? Yeah. Remember that guy? Such a nice guy. Maybe they know me. Maybe they didn't have a huge conversation. But the people that I do, I know, like I said, for me, I don't need to amount to much. But to be able to know those moments that I have with people, that's what life is about. Yeah. Not making all this money. And I, like I said, I know people that make so much money and they're miserable paying $2,100 a month for their apartment for a studio a shoebox. You know what I mean? And I'm like, bro, why don't you get this? No, because they want, they want the facade. Okay. No, then, you know, I can't convince you anymore. That's your, that's the, your reality. <laughs> I'm good. I don't live beyond my means, but like at the same time, I'm not here starving myself in a box. Yeah. You know, I live the way I want to live. And like I said, if I have, you know, work hard, play hard. So if I was making a certain amount of money, I'm sure, you know, I would, you know, extend that lifestyle. But for what I have, I'm good. I mean, you know, I, there's always more. But to me, I, I like to read like Secrets to Happiness yeah. or like the biggest, the five biggest regrets of people before they die. I read that and I'm like, I have to make sure that doesn't happen. I have to make sure I live a life true to myself, not to what other people want, because we disappoint, we don't want to disappoint so many people that we disappoint the most important person, yeah. ourselves. Yeah. You know, my, I told my mom, she wouldn't want me to leave this time. And I told her, I was like, mom, I could leave, you know, I could stay here, but I'm always going to wonder what if, you know? Yeah. So like, yeah, you know, I'd rather go, you know, and risk it. Maybe you get scared a little bit, but at least when I get back home, I don't have to worry about it. I wrote a book and people might think it was the worst thing ever or it was the best thing ever. That's fine. But I completed the task and I don't have to worry about what if, what this, no, I'm living my life. So when I'm an old man, I can enjoy being an old man. 
I don't have to be like, what if, what this? No, I'm doing it. I'm, I'm trying my best to fix everything that I can fix. Yeah. So, you know, if long story short, when I'm an old man, Oh, what, what about these relationships that never fit? I mean, I did what I could like, you know, that's on them. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> as much as I want, like I said, I made it a huge thing of me when I came back home to fix everything. Yeah. But once I realized I was like, listen, like, you know, I'm not royalty and nobody else is royalty. So I'm not going to like throw myself on the ground and have people like in a sense spit on me just to fix things when it's like, listen, this is your job. I already did everything. I've already said, I'm sorry, 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 sorry. I can't keep apologizing for the same things. I can't keep letting you pull me back to the past. Cause you know, most of these people, I would come back and they were doing the same thing, watching TV, smoking weed and drinking. Not that anything's bad. I like doing that too, but I like to actually go out and do things, not just melt my brain watching TV. But that's all they wanted to do. <laughs> yeah, so that's the that's the allegory. That's the allegory of the cave. You only know what you know, and of course, yeah, don't go here. You're gonna die. You're gonna die. You're gonna die. I'm here to live the tale. <laughs> what are you gonna tell me now? Oh no, you got lucky. Okay, I got lucky. Okay, whatever. But you know what I mean? They're always going to have that. So you let them sit in the corner by themselves. And like I said, when you're done, the door, like I keep saying, I finally said it like five times, the door is wide open. And I, I mean that because like I said, I look at the magic. Everybody has that arc. Like you have redeemable moments. You can change. Like you're not like stuck because you did a mistake. No, like I, that's how I believe. Most yeah. people may know you make a mistake. That's it. No, like you can think like that. But if you think like that, I've seen it. I've seen people miserable not let go of the past to the point that I'm like, I'm miserable because I keep trying to fix something that's not my problem. That's their problem. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. But it all goes back to that. You're passionate about this. No, 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 definitely. Like I said, it's, it's a huge reality check for me. Like I learned what it means to like, I've always thought, you know, I've always considered myself to be a good friend. And once I saw that, that was in a sense, not reciprocated because I don't need it, but like these people weren't looking out for me. It's weird, but like, I just started to learn things and it's like, listen, no hard, no hard feelings. I shook their hands. Some of the last time I saw some of these people, they showed me who they were. And I, instead of getting mad, I literally took a deep breath. I said, okay, that's fine. I shook their hands. I was like, it was nice knowing you guys. And I left and I, I don't talk to them. Yeah. Plain and simple. You know, I'm, I'm sitting here crossing out a question um, <laughs> like an idiot because I was going to ask you, you know, uh, what's it like to be away from the people you care about for so long? And I, I always want to ask people who take these long trips that question. Um, and and I realized that I was going to say, you know, how do you get along on your own for so long? And I realized that the answer is you're never alone. So you don't even have to comment on that if you don't want, but this is my revelation is you're not actually on the road by yourself. You're on the road with your, with the family you're making as you go along. Right. 100%. Like I said, I I look at like quotes or conversations with people that we expected to be happy their whole lives. Like one thing that, I mean, I don't think it's a quote from him, but it's in a movie that he's in with Robin Williams. And, you know, I always thought that was one of the happiest guys. So when he died, like that was like, wow. And there's so many stories like of Pag, like the story of the clown and the clown goes to the doctor. He's like, I'm miserable. And the doctor's like, you should go see Paglio the clown. He will make you so happy. And the clown tells him, I am Paglio. <laughs> and it's like, it's like those, like in the movie, it's called World's Greatest Dad. It's kind of dark, but at the end he says it, he's like, 
I always was afraid of being alone. But then I realized what's worse is being around people that make you feel alone. Mm. And I've been alone. Like I've been in that place. And there's other people that are, that are, I'm not saying I'm stronger than most, but like there's people that are, are there and they cross that threshold and, you know, they make mistakes and unfortunately they don't get to be here anymore. And that's what I mean. Like to be that for, you know, you can just hug somebody and just be like, it's okay. And reading stuff like that, like there's been, I mean, unless it was a made up story of somebody who jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge and they left a note, if somebody would have smiled to me or said something to me, you know, I would have turned around. And like things like that are like, what? A hug, like, you know how many people don't hug at all? Right. You know? And like, that's something so simple, so ingrained in us. We're supposed to like hug, we're supposed to feel this connection. And we're just not into that. When I hug people or I tell some of my friends, I love you, bro, and they look uncomfortable. It's weird for people and they, they have negative connotations in that. And like for me, like to be soft, to be vulnerable, to feel, to love, that's like, that's the whole reason we're here. And people like to make it seem like they do, but everybody has these walls up. But when I'm with these people that don't have any walls up, because I don't have any walls up, I, I think I'm an open book. And when they get to open up to me, it's like, whoa, that's where that those conversations come. Like, oh, wow, you know, this happened. Like, like Kelly, like, oh, I could ask these questions out of a place of curiosity where, you know, Jim, his partner will tell me stories of his life. And for me to tell him, like, hey, man, like, I wish I had a full life like you. He's 78. And we had that conversation. And then two days later, he's like, Harold, you know, what you told me, you know, really made me think. And he's like, you're right. I have had a great life. I've had a full life. He'd tell me a story of like somebody he used to love that passed away from AIDS back in the, like in 19, I want to say 90 or, and to hear the story from this guy, you know, and like these emotions and things that people might be like invalidate. No, like we all feel these emotions and to hear these stories. I'm like, you know what I mean? That's life. It's like a, a sad song with like, beautiful parts where it's like oh my god i'm alive and it's like oh my god i'm gonna die too but if you take that you're gonna die and you realize that i i have no fear of it like i don't want to but as long as i'm living i'm could leave right now and i'm content with what i've done the people i've loved and the people i've met because the impact i think i've done so far as long as they could be like you know that warm feeling or you know harold that that kid that passed through our town in the middle of Peru in the motorcycle and we helped them out, you know, they think of that. Yep. Yep. And that's it. I don't care for the land races. I don't care to speed everywhere. And, you know, I've seen people speed around on motorcycles and that's cool. Yeah. And they do land races from the bottom to the top in like a week or two. And I'm like, wow, that's crazy. But like, I don't know that that doesn't do it for me to meet these people, like to enter a village, like, like I'm in on an expedition, like I'm an astronaut on a different planet. I'm learning about this new place I've never been to. It's like, whoa, what am I gonna learn now? I'm in, I've learned about puppetry in Pittsburgh. I've learned about the history of Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh, more than people from Pittsburgh. I've learned about art in Chicago. I've learned about, I've stayed with, it, this is a completely different lifestyle too. People who play video games and are like the top 10 video game players in the world. They'll make $10,000 in video in tournaments. 
I've stayed with them and I've seen their life and how that is. And I'm like, wow, to meet a kid who like his family wanted him to be a doctor. And he's like, no, I'm going to do this because this makes me happy. And, you know, people might be like, oh, that guy's dumb, but he's happy and he's living a good life and he's making more money than most people. And he has more money saved up than people who want to say he's irresponsible. Yeah. And that's just the simplicity. Everybody has what they're looking for. And when they have it, they're happy. You know, people will be like, oh, you live in the middle of nowhere, Chicago, Cleveland. I, I myself, you know, people from the East Coast, West Coast, New York, California, Los Angeles, everything in the middle is like nothing. But I'm seeing this and it's like, oh, wow. Like, I get why people live here. This is simplicity that's unmatched. Mm-hmm. I'm in Milwaukee and people, I talk to people and they're like, yeah, I'm going to move back to my town like 20 minutes away. Like, I like the nature and and that's kind of unheard of in the New York when New York is like, man, I can't be near the clubs and this, this is horrible, man. I don't know. Like it's all about, you know, what you want in life. You know what I mean? So yeah. if you're looking for money, that's always going to be the thing. You're never going to be happy. Not to say that that's not important. Like I said, I never lie and say, la, 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 I'm happy. I am happy, but I don't have it all figured out and that's okay. But as long as you, act, like I said, live with the way I live or like you're happy and you're, you're doing what you can, Everything else falls into place. And it sounds crazy, but it's happened for me. You know, I'm not struggling. You know, I, I paid off my place. I paid three months of rent in advance. And I was like, take care, guys. You know, yeah. I didn't have to. But for that peace of mind to not have that, like, you know, oh, I just left and I maybe, you know, screwed over these people. No, no. I, I did what I had to do to leave with the good intent. So nothing can nobody can say, oh, you did. No, no. You know good intentions and you move it because the means always justify the end. Right. And like I said, I'm very into like, I've taken classes that I was never into. And I was like, blew my mind, like philosophy classes, art classes, music classes. So I've been sent to New York Philharmonic that I would go just for extra credit or I go to the museum for extra credit just for that alone. And I'd be like, Oh, I like this art. Oh, what's this? (laughs) Oh, wow, 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 wow. And then I opened these doors and I'm like, wow. And like I said, I learned little by little in each place. People show me a different lifestyle, you know, these people do this or in this city, you know, like I said, I met a guy who did puppets and you put your hand in the puppets and it's like, you know, he moves the hands. And I was like, oh, wow. You know, most people might be like, oh, this person's weird. And I don't say we're all weird quirks. We have our own quirks. And that's what I like. You know, we're all similar. But at the same time, let me learn about this because I like being able to be a jack of all trades. I like to learn this. And now, in a sense, I'm I'm knowledgeable in a little bit more of this in milwaukee this guy around here he just happens to be somebody who likes to go foraging for medicinal mushrooms and like you know ginseng and he's always and i was like what is this what you guys do in milwaukee he's like no i just happen to like to do this so then i go out there and where he's he's telling me yo plant these ginseng roots and we're planting them in the forest so that in a few months when he comes back he can harvest that and you know makes medicine and I'm like, oh, wow. So now I know because I live in an area similar to this same climate. So I've taken pictures of different plants and mushrooms that I found. He's like, wow, you have that, you have that, you know, and it's like a, I'm learning. And like we have our huge similarities. He's planted a tree. I've planted a tree. My tree's three, four years old. It's not that big, but his is, I want to say, two years. So it's like, wow, like there are people like me or like I'm learning. So now I can take this and, you know, in a sense, be like a renaissance man, like 
Benjamin Franklin. Like, st- I, I, it sounds crazy, but like those things are like what interests me, like learning, being able to go like now I can go to Pittsburgh and I've been there with my friend who lives in Pittsburgh. I went to high school with him. And when we met there and he, he was like, let's go to this restaurant. We're walking around. It's a small city. You wouldn't believe him. Yo, Harold, you're leaving tomorrow. He's like, how do you know that guy? I was like, the first day I got here, I met him. He was at this bar. We we're just talking. And like I said, I know more about the city than my friend who lives in Pittsburgh. You know? Yeah. So for me, I'm, I'm coming home. I'm going to be a master linguistic because I hear the people's accent. And sometimes I'll tell them, what's a, what's your what's your Pittsburgh accent? And they'll tell me. And like sometimes, you know, in a, from a place, I'm not making fun of them, but I'll be like, how does this go? And I'll do it. And they're like, ooh, it's getting better. And like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like all these experiences that like I take full advantage of that I appreciate, you know? Yeah. Riding bicycles around Pittsburgh, you know? People will be like, oh, that sounds boring, maybe to you, but we went around the whole city. We went to some museums, went to eat, and, dude, we had the time of our lives. <laughs> it looked like it, I have to say. Yeah. Do, do you think that – so I, obviously the answer to this question is going to be yes. So tell me um, how you think this is going to affect the course of your life. I mean, you are you just turned 30 this year. Happy birthday, um, belatedly. Um, but to me, that's pretty I'm young. Turning 30, I'm turning 31 in January. <laughs> I'm going to be on the road on my birthday. Nice. So yeah. uh, hopefully you got lots of runway. Um, how do you feel like this is going to change the your path through life? Um, I wouldn't say it's going to change it. I mean, I hope that, you know, that I can connect with people, obviously, but like, but like I said, I always think I, I learned everything I have to learn. And then life is just like, wait, Harold, you didn't. And it's like, okay, we're going to learn another life lesson. For now, I think I've learned what I've needed to learn when I get home. The way I move now, you know, I've been doing that even a little bit before I left on this trip. But once I went on the trip, it was just like, I don't know why it took me so long to get back on here. And it, why? Because I had every excuse in the book, you know, Oh my God, FOMO, fear of missing out. Oh my God, this stressing money, this. And then I was just like, you went through this last time. So it's like, if you see this, the cyclical, you know, the cycles and how cyclical everything is, you'd be like, you can kind of get yourself out of it. Cause if not, you're, you're stuck doing the same things. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, like, I'm good. Like now I can see it. So if I'm hanging out with somebody and I keep seeing that they just keep doing something or there's something negative and they don't want to, not that like I said, I'm not royalty. I don't expect people like, oh my God, I got to bow down to Harold. No, that's not where it's coming from. But people might try to gaslight you and tell you, oh, you think you're better than me? No, I just expect better from you and from myself. And that means not being around people that I don't, that I wouldn't feel safe having my family or my friends around. You know what I mean? No. Yeah. That's where it comes down to. When we first corresponded, um, you said that you'd only just become a motorcyclist. And so obviously you didn't see yourself as a member of this particular family yet. Um, Obviously you are one now. I imagine anyone listening to this is going to feel that way. I wonder if you see yourself as a motorcyclist now and whether um, that's brought anything to your life. Um, It's weird. It's like an imposter syndrome kind of thing where like I don't, but like when I see people who call themselves bikers, like, and like try to put other people down. Cause I've seen it where people are like, Oh, if you don't have a Harley, you're not a bike. Like there's a whole like weird, like hierarchy sometimes. And in my, I don't say it cause I don't, I don't really care to argue with the person, but in my head I was like, I'm not a biker, but I'm more of a biker than you, if that makes any sense. (laughs) 
Yeah, it does. You know, I don't consider myself a biker, but I've done more than most people have done. And I'm not saying it to make people feel bad. I'm making it so like people say, that's crazy. I can't do it. I never, I don't have a license. Guess what? I don't have a license either. That's crazy. But you know how to ride? No, I bought the motorcycle and I started learning that day and it was the worst day of my life. But I learned and look, I'm here and look, I'm having a great time. Oh, but I'm a girl. Okay, I met a woman in Bolivia who was a little twig on a Triumph Tiger. And she showed me pictures that she was driving through Africa and all these things. So it's like, of course, you can sit here all day and give me every excuse in the book. And I can acknowledge every excuse in the book. But it's just to hold yourself back when you can just be like, you know what, let's go for it. Let's trust the universe. Because, no, I never want to do it. Okay, then, then you'll never connect with the people. And like, I know not everybody's like that, but if you're in my circle and you're my people and you're my family, like nobody's fighting first. Like you're gonna have to fight me before you fight my people. It's about looking out for people, whether they're my friends or not. <laughs> like I said, it's all about just respect. And if you can understand each other, I can have a conversation with anyone in the world. And as long as there's like a respect, I think I can talk to anybody. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Well, and honestly, I hope that's what a biker is. Um, yeah. Harold, it has been so much fun speaking with you. I, I wish you a, a safe and happy journey. I know you've got the plains and the mountains ahead of you, um, but I hope along the way yes. your, your family gets um, very big indeed. And uh, in the meantime, I, I really appreciate you giving me the time today. No, I really appreciate it too. I like, the, I, like I said, any chance that I can even tell this story and like, you know, maybe somebody will hear this and be like, wow like maybe i if he could do it and like maybe they look me up and they look and like bro this kid there's nothing like not to say nothing special but there's nothing crazy about me i'm not like a bodybuilder i'm not super rich i'm just your average kid who saves up and is able to do these trips you know and like i feel alive when i'm doing this and when i come back home i bring that energy with me and sometimes i could forget it but when i tap into it again and again and I bring all the people, like I said, I've seen people like that, dude, and they trust and they open. They're like, yo, how that's crazy. Like I did what you said and it's working. I was like, I told you, like I said, <laughs> it's almost, it almost seems like, like it's not real. Like this reality isn't real. But like when I feel like that, like I it, it happens. Yeah. It works out. <laughs> that's the magic. And I'm not complaining. You know what I mean? That's the magic. That's the magic. That's all you got to worry. Well, listen, ride safe out there. I will. Always have fun for always safe first and then fun after. Yeah, man. Okay. Well, stay in touch. And uh, um, yeah, I'd, I'd love to hear some more when you're finished this trip about how it went. Oh, no, no, definitely. I would, uh, have no problem with doing that. We definitely do updates and stuff like that. I mean, we'll keep in touch. You have my information. I do. All right. Thanks again. Take care, man. Uh, you too, Bruce. Take care. Don Quixote isn't a simple one, as it turns out. Fortunately, though, that, along with a few centuries of speculation about what Cervantes meant by it all, gives us some license to interpret it for ourselves. And for me, the magic of that story, to use Harold's word, is in its premise. An average guy, as Harold describes himself, and I'll now quote from Wikipedia, because that's where all scholarship begins, quote, 
either loses or pretends to have lost his mind in order to become a knight-errant, to revive chivalry and serve his nation, end quote. And then goes forth to see the world, not as he fears it is, but as he wants it to be. And there, for me, is where Harold and Don Quixote intersect. In the choice to seek an impossible adventure, not as a means of escaping reality, but as a way of changing it. Expecting kindness, he's kind, and kindness comes back to him. Expecting trust, he trusts, and trust becomes his armor. Those on the sidelines tell Harold that he's lucky. Harold says, no, it's magic. But I think there's a third possibility, and it's that we can't really see the world at all if we aren't in it. That's where Harold's reference to Plato's allegory of the cave comes from. And we can't really see the good in the world if we're not looking for it. Well, I've spent a lot of time thinking about the motorcycle as a vehicle for introspection, for meditation, and for sublime isolation, and maybe failed to give it the credit it deserves as a way to reconnect with humanity. Every knight needs a horse. This is ours. And in the end, it seems the answer isn't to retreat. The answer is to charge ahead. And I can't think of a better way to do that than on two wheels. All we have to do is trust, says Harold, and life will be like a movie. Well, thank you for listening. You'll find show notes for this episode at thismotorcyclelife.com. That's also how you can reach me if you have questions, comments, suggestions, or a story to share. Emailing me at thismotorcyclelife at gmail.com works too. You can also find me on Instagram, along with many of the people I've interviewed for this podcast, including Harold Serrano. This episode's playlist recommendation might seem just a little on the nose, but I thought it was irresistible, and I hope you will too. The track is called Don Quixote. It's performed by Australian hip-hop star Draft, and features pioneers of Aussie hip-hop, Hilltop Hoods. I love the energy of this track, and I love the humor in the lyrics, along with a few moments of eerie relevance to the conversation you just heard. If your quest for the truth needs a soundtrack, well, this just might be it. Buy it or stream it wherever you like to get your music. And in the meantime, keep staying alive out there. My sanity kept, I've been creating an imaginary world. Like I was on my Living in a fantasy world. I'm abandoned, this abandoned the cell. Hey, hey, no control time. I don't want a dead or a life. In my head, I might not ever survive. As I'm up from Coyote. Shouting at you, man, at you, mice. Wielding my pen like a knife. Nah, 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 nah. see this as a sickness. I ain't lost a plot, I lost interest. In the everyday, and I mean everyday. On survival in my head, it's like you get away. And it's never a dull moment, living in my skull where anything can happen from one moment to the next adventure. Sealing bank, rob, handcuff, full of wretched There's a bitch at the factory, me and the drone. Someday I switch the gravity, keeping me prone and escape as a knife.